So Evan, I'd like to start this episode out with a question. You know, we've been friends a long time. I flatter myself there's few things I don't know about you, but there, there is one question I'm curious to ask. I don't know what the answer might be. M- may I ask it? Uh, please ask away. All right, well, my question is, have you, did you growing up ever have a babysitter? Yeah, yeah. I can only remember one moment. This was back when we lived in Canada. Hang so on, one quite... moment? Just a moment where you had a babysitter, like your parents were like... Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just for a spell, you know? Oh, just a spell. Um, this is not helping me figure out how long it was for. <laughs> this was either uh, like think... five seconds or like a month. I don't know. I think it was like two nights max. Like there were two separate occasions where our, our parents hired a babysitter for us. And I remember he... It, and it was a guy they hired a male babysitter yep, I, I gathered that much um from from the pronoun which is the uh, atypical but not nothing he, wrong with that he was he was very funny um i remember he did this thing where he pretended he like i guess we like pretended to shoot him and he did like the oh he, he like died and fell back oh. but he also he claimed to have met mr bean what he claimed to have met rowan atkinson rowan atkinson and i don't know because I, you know this was like the early 90s so mr bean was quite popular yeah um. So he he could he kind of did like the Mr. Bean voice, and he he said that one day he he met him, and I don't know, I, you can tell kids anything and they'll believe yeah, it. Yeah, and and spe- like also kids can like misinterpret stuff to to seem more interesting. Like maybe he met someone who'd worked on a Mr. Bean show, and it blew up in your mind or it, over time. No, no, no. He I think he actually met Mr. He claimed to have met Mr. Bean. What do you think now? Do you think he was telling the truth? In, in the event that he listens to this podcast, listen, if you ever babysat for the young family, babysat their uh, son, their young sons at the time, Evan and Eric, hit us up. Yeah. And tell us if you actually met Rowan Atkinson, I need to know. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, hit it, I'll throw it out the other way because the odds are pretty slim that that person still listen, like, listens to the podcast. If you're Rowan Atkinson and you listen to the podcast and you met somebody who babysat for the young boys, um, let us know. Let, let us know who that person was if you did meet that person. That actually is much more likely. Thank you, sir. <laughs> that, that might be more. What was I thinking? <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly a little more hopeful on that side. I, my hopes of one day meeting one or the other definitely lean towards Rowan Atkinson. Well, you would you would much pre- rather prefer to meet Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, I I have to say I'm sorry if if the babysitter's listening. I'm sorry, my deepest apologies. But though, then again, like you kept saying, he met Mr. Bean, not he met Rowan Atkinson. Which granted, he a kid wouldn't understand Rowan Atkinson. A kid understands Mr. Bean. Correct. But but do you think he ever met Rowan Atkinson, or did he meet Mr. Bean? Here's okay. Are we going to properly? Nah introduce this no. podcast uh-uh. or do you have any babysitter stories i don't have any babysitter stories our, our babysitter lived next door to us uh, growing up in houghton and uh and she was always a consummate professional all right well you know what this is actually the perfect segue um welcome to babysitters club welcome this to is baby- a- yeah we're here to talk about all of our babysitter stories growing up i i can't I th- you know i do think one thing is weird i don't think either of us have had a crush on babysitters growing up I had a single babysitter. Yeah, for for but a moment. Not long enough to build a connection, I suppose. Or was it love at first sight? Was it was there something there? I barely remember what he looked like. And I and I also I'm you know, this is me being a teeny bit sexist. I just think it's weird to hire a male babysitter. Really? 
That's a little bit. Why? I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm curious about why. It's not. I don't have kids. I'm... I mean, I I, I want to walk this back because I babysat one of our physics, one of our science teachers' ch- yeah. children. And I agree that or science four teacher of them was at the a same fool time. to let you near their kids. More fool I, were they? I think it's so funny that you said fool. I thought you were gonna say silver fox. <laughs> Wait, what science teacher was this? Um, the British one. And that wasn't that Mr. wasn't with silver-haired guy who uh, had the complications because he was American. That guy did not have silver hair. That guy he had dark hair. He was kind of silvery, but he was not a silver fox. <laughs> He's not a silver fox. <laughs> no. Oh. Well, yeah. Let's maybe let's leave that discussion there for the moment. But we we are here to talk about babysitters. We're here to talk about a particular episode of a pup named Scooby Doo, the babysitter from Beyond, sixth episode of the first season. Also. This podcast is, in fact, called Scooby Dudes. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are not we... in danger of copyright infringement on a popular series of books for tweens. Yeah, this is not a club for babysitters. This is, um, I was going to say the exact opposite. But... <laughs> like, is, is that what we are? I don't know. Never mind. We are two best friends. We're two best friends. We're here to talk about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. And... His name, the person across from me, over in Minnesota, that's Luke. And that that guy who's sitting across from me and yet somehow in Canada is named Evan, my beloved co-host and dear friend. So thank you for listening to this intro. We talked a lot about babysitters. We will talk about babysitters considerably less in this episode. Well, I mean, reading the premise, the gang takes Shaggy's baby sister, Shuggy, to the babysitter, but the babysitter's house turns out to be the old lair of a master criminal who just escaped jail. Now, nowhere in there is the babysitter factor in. It's a babysitter's house, but, like, this house is not apparently childproofed. That does not play a big factor in the episode. So it's not it's not a real babysitter-heavy episode, though Shuggy does play a central role. By the way, is Shuggy kind of the scrappy of this episode of this show i mean i don't know what you're saying about babysitter heavy the babysitter looks like she's a little heavy okay okay dude you're not putting words in my mouth here i meant to say babysitter pudgy oh, excuse me no i excuse me no, i didn't mean that <laughs> babysitter doughy oh excuse me the words coming out of my mouth babysitter roly-poly <laughs> come on doughy uh babysitter uh this this babysitter is normal looking because everyone's normal but we've i mean that's the episode that's who we are Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. In the outro, you'll hear about where you can write us in to tell us your babysitter stories growing up and um, and whether or not you're Rowan Atkinson or once met Rowan Atkinson or if you've met Mr. Bean or two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Can we, can we start by talking a little bit about a pup named, kind of like establish the series? Sure. We've been away from a pup named Scooby-Doo for months and months and months. Uh, and all you really need to know is that this is about Scooby-Doo as a puppy, possibly. Because we've been over the timeline and it doesn't quite match up. One of my favorite things that we've observed out of this series, and, and from our podcast experience as well, is that this is probably a different dog than we see in the adult Scooby-Doo. Because dogs don't live as long as humans, and we do see all the kids as kids. All the youths as y- even younger youths here. Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy are all, uh, like, tweens? toddler even 
I mean, Velma is quite young. She's quite young, but she's also, like, the the powerhouse of this episode. She's on top of everything. She's the force getting stuff done. She does, okay, she does also lead them astray in a huge way. Man, I I actually might have missed that. But uh, She's actually, I likened her to when Reddit thought they had found the Boston bomber. Wow, wow. That, this could not be a greater disparity. I can't wait to get into this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's about, uh, Scooby-Doo and everyone else as youngsters. And, and I'll say that I think the premise is a solid one. Um, this show has not been our favorite. I will say I have enjoyed it, but it's not, like, one of the ones that we're dying to get back to. But the premise of children being, um, the mystery solvers, I think really has legs to it. Because if you're a child, an adult in a monster suit is just as scary as a monster. Yeah, that it makes way more sense to frame it as kids going through all these typical Scooby-Doo beats. And, it, I mean, it makes sense what Scooby-Doo ended up being originally, given that it was originally supposed to be a musical group. Um, that would be the appropriate age for what the gang was. But I think if they'd started out with the mystery thing, they probably would have made them this age originally. My, my one thought with this series, new to this episode, is the title of it. A pup named Scooby-Doo sounds like a sentimental feature film. It's, it's, I think that's kind of an odd title for a series, as goofy as this one is. Interesting. What do you think? I, feel like, I think it has to be a play on something. A pup named Scooby-Doo? It's, it's such a weird way of phrasing it. It is. Like, it's, that's, it's, if it's not a pun, and this is a show that likes its, its jokes like that, if it's not a pun, it does not make sense to me. Um, but this, I mean, the, the show is set in, like, what, the 60s, kind of, uh, with its musical style? Uh, I think, I don't think it's set necessarily in that time, but I think it draws a lot of mm. inspiration from that era. Yeah. Um, before, so, I just want to say, before we really get mm-hmm. into it, this is, to me, the best episode of A Pup Named that we've ever, that I've ever seen, and I really loved it. I thought that it was complex, I thought that it was funny, um, I just, it's been such a long time since I've seen a mystery that was as intricate and also frightening uh than this one i also think this is the best one that we've seen yet it's really been a positive progression through the episodes from where we started to where we've gotten because the first one was the skater one right it was the it was the anti-drug ps anti-drug yeah which was not very successful in my opinion i think this is the most successful that we've seen the only parts where it might misstep for me are where it steps too far into frightening territory well, Not for me personally, but I think for the age it's aimed at, it seems uncannily frightening. I think that that is the perfect place to sort of drop into this. J- just to skip over a lot of the front matter of this episode, um, Shaggy is bringing his sister, whose name is Shuggy, which is a, like Sugar, yeah, a nickname. Her real name is Molly. So, similar to how his name is Norval, they both have nicknames. He and the gang, they're bringing his sister over to the babysitter's house, which, to my knowledge, is not how babysitters work. Yeah, don't they typically come over to your house? <laughs> yes. You, you would think so normally, but this babysitter, I think, has a reputation established from the start of being, like, really good, like, the best in the neighborhood. Yeah, so good. People come to her? People come to her house. I guess it's the thing where she's got her house better baby-proof than you do. Like, your child is safer at her house. That's the best reading of it. So they're taking they're taking Shuggy over, um, and which is honestly I think already a little bit of a frightening prospect. If you're a child and these kids, I put them in. You said tweens. 
I want to go a little bit younger. I want to say like 10-ish. Yeah. It's scary to... They're not quite playing Fortnite yet. That's kind of their age. <laughs> I think, you could, I think yeah. there are 10-year-olds playing Fortnite. Oh, they grow up so fast. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I think it's scary to be in another person's house with no um, guardians or, like, adults around who you know. You're in this foreign... Uh, this uh, Again, this foreign residence. Um, and then you mistrust the adult who comes because she has hair that makes her look like the bride of frankenstein right of frank she looks exactly like the bride of frankenstein but hey let's not judge her on appearance let's judge her on the deeply uh disturbing unsettling things she says throughout the episode <laughs> i thought you were gonna say like the content of her character <laughs> um and and then also at a later point um there are three people trying to get them there's a babysitter who is outside the house there is a an escaped criminal from prison trying to get into the house, and in the basement is a zombie. I, I labeled him as Zombie Cerberus um, throughout this episode because it's a zombie with three heads, and if we scroll down to the foot, has a torn shoe and another face in that shoe where toes should be. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're describing um, this monster because, yeah, let's do that. We first find out about uh, this monster when Shaggy is watching TV. Um, there's a trailer for the movie that they're all about to watch together as a, as a group of friends. Uh, and it's called Boogity Bones Rises from the Grave. I love the name Boogity Bones. Boogity Bones? Boogity Bones sounds like he, this could have been the name of a DJ that appears in Scooby-Doo's. Scooby-Doo, excuse me. Boogity Bones um, makes me think of like something that like Tumblr, Tumblr users would come up with, you know, because you know when there's the whole like oh like Mister like Mister Skeleton, Skeleton like Doot Doot like Boogity Bones, it sounds like that, and it also um, makes me think of the Bare Naked Ladies song One Week, uh, with Chickadee China the Chinese Chicken. Ah, that's right. That's what it makes me think of is Boogity Bones the Bengalese. <laughs> a skeleton? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Boogity Bones, a zombie. Uh, zombie heads on the left and on the right, and in the center, a skull. Oh, that's right. A skull in the middle. And it, there's a trailer for it on TV. There's gonna, it's showing in the theaters right now. That's where Fred, Daphne, and Velma are because they're about to go see it, and Shaggy's going to join them as soon as he drops his sister off at the babysitters. Uh, and we got a few details here before we skip ahead, which is that, first of all, Shaggy's parents, they don't look like Shaggy's parents on Mystery Incorporated. No, they, they are completely original. I think almost every instance of a relative appearing anywhere in any episode of Scooby-Doo has to be completely independent of any other reference to the same exact family relationship. On, on um, Mystery Incorporated, yeah. Shaggy's parents, they look like... I, which, and, I, and I pointed this out the first time we saw them. They look like a man and a woman who procreated and and produced a child that looks like Shaggy Rogers, which I thought was very cool. Yeah, I think in a in a video game with a lineage system, this is it's a pretty faithful way of merging characteristics <laughs> and uh, and kind of algorithmically reaching something that looks similar to both parties. But it's also to say that Shaggy's parents on Mystery Incorporated are not very conventionally attractive. You might not say so. I mean, if you have to split Shaggy down the middle and separate him into two people, they also didn't fill in the gaps of those two things with, like, really conventionally attractive They filled it in with, like, orangutan DNA or something, <laughs> like. We use frog DNA. 
they really Jurassic Park to <laughs> these uh, Park these to two parents. people together. <laughs> Um, whereas here they did something not even quite the opposite. It's like they split Shaggy into two, then they threw away those pieces and they brought in <laughs> models and they just had them. They're stand they're in. very they're very attractive or like yeah they're like good looking adults. But so, but they did, Shaggy does get something from from them linguistically. There is some lineage uh, because his mom keeps using this like slang term like Shaggy does, like, like, and like dog. They both cool. do. It's both of yeah. them. I didn't notice um, his dad so much. His, his mom is kind of like, uh, you have to go take Shuggy to the babysitter. Um, just make sure uh, you do it before 8 p.m. Uh, this is filler. I, I don't know if that's the case. But Jen, she's like, you dig? Could you be like a deer? I, I also love his dad, although his dad being a cop was kind of a weird turn. Or unexpected, I should say. Do you think... Let's let's mm. pick apart at this a little bit. Do you think that Shaggy is so cowardly and fearful because his father is an officer in the line of duty and therefore he realizes that he could lose a parent at any given moment? I think that's uh, an interesting reading. I don't think that's built into the text here, as it were. But uh, I like that a lot. I mean, it's definitely unique. We don't see Shaggy's dad as a cop in any other Scooby-Doo media that I can think of. But here, it's built into this episode as if it's a normal thing. They don't say, let's call the cops. They say, let's call Shaggy's dad. And honestly, it was just last episode where Shaggy's like, we don't want to deal with a caveman who's been defrosted. Or sorry, last last week. Um, let's hmm. call the sheriff. I was going to say then, I don't think I harped about it as much as I could have. It's such a refreshing take for Shaggy or any of the gang to be like, let's call the authorities. This is outside of our, I don't know, we're, like we're out of our depth. Well, and it's, they kind of have to do that in this episode because of how serious the stakes are. I mean, you've got uh, the babysitter who from the start looks like a kidnapper, talks like a kidnapper. We have no reason until the end of the episode to potentially think otherwise. And I, I just again have to say the stuff she's shouting Although it's conspicuously not like, I want to harm this child, it's ni neither is it very protective, it's very me-oriented, like, I want this child, I must have this child! Just like, say at some point, look out, I must protect this child, I must something something, you're running through the streets shouting this stuff. Sorry, but I, I like that they have an authority figure in this episode, because I feel like they kind of have to, with two escaped convicts and a potential baby napper on their uh, docket. And there, I... Like I said, it's complex. It's hard to touch on, like, everything that takes place. But they go, they're like, oh, this babysitter looks to be a monster. Um, they run away. Then they run back to the house and lock the babysitter out? Well, it's because uh, Shuggy forgets her, like, teddy bear or something. So uh, they have bun to bun. Yeah, and I thought for a second that was going to be a device throughout the episode. I'm so glad it wasn't. Like, no, we have to go get the teddy bear again. And no, the teddy bear's over here. Like, oh, headache-inducing. But it's just one device to get them back into the house, and then it's kind of a pot boiler within the house. And I love the sense of setting that gets established. A pot boiler, that's great. That's a really good way of putting it. It's a really tense, frightening situation. Because at this point, they've locked the babysitter out. They're now alone in the house. They, Shaggy and Scooby go in the basement. They realize that uh, Boogity Bones is down there. And then they get chased back up out of the basement. They roll a stone to cover the tomb of Boogity Bones. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that Shaggy says it's uh, Shuggy's favorite pebble. 
that they pull out no, of... No, it's Chuggy's favorite boulder. Favorite boulder, excuse me, that they pull out of her Mary Poppins-esque baby bag. Her baby bag is full of, like, there's also a mini fridge in there just for her food. Yeah. Scooby's like, huh? And Shaggy's like, like, Scoob, you know, baby food's gotta be refrigerated. Yeah, th- there's a lot of visual gags and a lot of rubbery uh, meta-animation animati- gags. But that's all to say they, they are in and out of the basement where Boogity Bones is. Then they're upstairs. Then they're seeing on the TV that these two convicts have escaped and are looking for something that's hidden in this house. So one of the things about a pup named Scooby-Doo is that TVs are... Two-way radios. They're like newspapers in like the Wizarding oh, World. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a, a means of interacting with whoever's on the television set. And so this newscaster is like, I interrupt Shaggy to bring you this Coolsville <laughs> news bulletin. The, the use of the TV talking to the kids back and forth is the best we've seen yet. And I didn't realize it was a really a running thing until this episode. But they're, they're constantly talking back and forth with the TV. And at one point, the reporter's like, yes, in this house, right here. He's like, I wouldn't want to be here. And he actually, like, turns off the TV. (laughs) Um, And then there are layers within layers. Because this um, news reporter is talking about how a man named Manny the Mauler has escaped from prison. He stole a large sum of money with his accomplice, Molly the the Mall, or Mole, M-O-L-L. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I was uh, still stuck thinking about Manny the Mauler. There's a character in A Pup Named Scooby-Doo this episode whose central characteristic is that he mauls people. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, a mall, an M-O-L-L, I don't know how to pronounce it. I know how to spell it. Is like the girlfriend or like significant other of a criminal, basically. Wow. I didn't yeah, know I, that. I learned that term like many, many. I was like... Maybe nine when I learned about that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, maybe I was ten when I learned it. It was <laughs> not quite as long ago. Um, but, and, it, and it's really interesting uh, because there's sort of like an Inception-y kind of thing where the reporter is holding up this portrait of Manny the Mauler. And yes. Manny the Mauler in the portrait sticks his body out of his little uh, picture, photograph, and then tells the reporter that he's getting some facts wrong. And there's another interactive element where they're looking at the picture of Molly and Velma pops open her giant supercomputer that's the equivalent of a smartphone today and, like, does a visual change to Molly's wanted poster that morphs her into the babysitter. Yeah, she puts it into, like, one of those Facebook things, like... (laughs) See how you uh, look as a kitty cat. See how old you'll look in 30 years. And then you put your profile picture in and it gives you, like... I don't know, like, wrinkles around the sides of your mouth or something. And it, it basically does that here. It's like a, an add 100 pounds and add Bride of Frankenstein filter. It's those two then, things on top. And here's the thing. This is why I likened her to Reddit at the time of the Boston oh, Marathon bombing. Oh. Because, because she is accusing uh, this babysitter as being Molly the Mall. Uh, in my, and the gang completely buys in. In my mind, this would be like if in that Reddit thread, they had gotten the wrong guy, but they had gotten someone else who was making active bomb threats. Like, the thing is, they're wrong that it's the babysitter, but the babysitter at this point is a viable, serious threat. that should Because be, she wants this baby. All she, I want all that she is baby. Saying, and look, I'm going to back it up a little bit. When they arrive at the babysitter's house the first time, no danger suspected just yet. Give me a second. Hey, I'll let you come in and then we'll resume. Sorry. Tell her I say hi. Thank you. No, no, no. Tell her I say hi. 
Uh, Evan says hi. Hi. She says hi back. She said it in such a whispery. Hi, Evan. Just a, it was a really, a really husky oh. voice. Hello, Mr. Young. I didn't expect to see you here. Can she say happy birthday to me? You must forgive me. I'm out of breath. Can you tell him happy birthday? We missed his birthday. I want. I. Just a, can you sing it? I mean, actually, like commit to it. Are you too out of breath? It's okay. It's not a big deal. If anything, I prefer it. Oh, she's nodding. She will. Oh, like a Marilyn Monroe, JFK birth. To you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to <laughs> Empty sand. Can you get away? I'm I'm uncomfortable with this now. Thank you. It's it's so not funny, really like birthday. because. For everything that's occurred during Donald Trump, Trump's presidency, I think that that is one of the most embarrassing things to ever happen to a uh, president of the United States. Well, that's the thing. That's the most embarrassing thing that's maybe ever happened to a president of the United States. But that happened to him. That's not something he did to himself. And that's he was having an affair with Marilyn Monroe. Of course, they, he kind of did it to himself there. But that's like something that he sat in front of that he did kind of set in motion and blah blah blah. Whereas like. It's kind of like shooting, uh, it's like Han shooting the gun in the trash compactor and it bounces around and hits himself versus like deliberately dropping the aim of your gun down to your foot and like poking your foot a little bit just to make sure you're like really there and then pulling the trigger repeatedly. Does that actually happen when they're in the trash yeah, compactor? Yeah, they fire the gun and it's like... That's not how lasers work. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's what, that's how it happens. Were the walls made of lightsabers? Like It, it was like garbage. It was a trash compactor. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, oh, weird. If I can back it up to when they first arrive at the babysitter's... Um, if I can back it up to when they first arrive at the babysitter's house... Um, they for, the gang just lets themselves in, and Shaggy's like, hey, we're here to drop off the baby. And the babysitter's like, oh, okay, I'll be right down. And then Shaggy... Well, and they're like, oh, even though this house looks creepy, the babysitter sounds nice. She sounds nice. She's got a good reputation. It's fine. But then when we introduce these other monsters, the other villains, the babysitter... In fact, even before that, the babysitter's like chasing them out and around. It's like, give me the baby. I must have the baby. <laughs> and it's like, you know that this is like the baby's like brother and like friends like these people have guardianship of the baby why are you trying to rip it away from them without even communicating with them oh my gosh so timely say what this episode doesn't come out until a week from now because we're recording we're trying to record a week ahead but yeah this woman trying to steal this child away from the people the child should be with seems like eerily topical oh to ice this woman even, this woman even said, actually, turn to Romans 13. Oh, oh and, gosh. Uh, <laughs> this could not be more topical. Wow. Yeah, and again, we're releasing this a little after we recorded it, but it is, it was even more topical when we said it out loud. Yeah, uh, we'll see, we'll see if it, this is still relevant uh, when this episode airs. I hope not. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's all to say that the, the babysitter, we have no reason to trust, and... Although Velma is ultimately wrong about it being Molly, the babysitter being Molly, Velma is right to, like, raise the alarm on this babysitter. I mean, frankly, it should have already been raised, but I take your point that she led them down a, a, the wrong road there. Although otherwise, she has been spot on. I, I want to elaborate on the mystery a little bit, because um, they mm. go down, Scooby and Shaggy believe, because again, 
Um, the name of the movie is Boogity Bones Rises from the Grave. And when they go down to the basement, there is a hole that looks like a grave and Boogity Bones is inside said hole. And it makes them think like, oh, this is the situation. Boogity Bones is rising from his grave. Um, mm. But also, when they go back down again afterwards, Boogity Bones is nowhere to be seen. And they notice that a window to the basement has been broken. There is glass on the floor. And they allow Shuggy to crawl towards said glass. That was the most alarming part of the episode for me. Is that like, uh, the, the order prevents, they see the grave. Velma says, but wait, look, there's glass over here. Oh, it looks like Boogity Bones broke out. And she's like, no, it looks like Boogity Bones broke in. And Shaggy's like, forget about it. Look at the grave. Then they all ignore Shuggy, who crawls towards the glass. And we cut away. We don't see what happens there. Shuggy could be chewing on that glass right now. And we don't know it. It is so irresponsible how often they just leave Shuggy to crawl around anywhere in this house. And in fact, they lose her at one point. They do. And there are enough of them that that shouldn't happen. And just, uh, I think Velma through most of this episode is the voice of reason and logic. And nobody throughout this episode is the presence of looking out for Shuggy. Uh, you're the one who's brought this up a lot in the past. But do you want to talk about our favorite red herring? Red Herring himself. Mm -hmm. I love Red Herring. And here, of course, as soon as the mystery is introduced, Fred has to blame his arch nemesis, Red Herring, a curly red-haired bully boy who has a, I hope, temporary tattoo on his shoulder, <laughs> despite his young age, with like the heart and the arrow through it. Um, and Fred always accuses Red Herring. I love the way it comes up this time that... Uh, as Fred accuses Red Herring, Red Herring dials in on a phone on the wall and is like, hey, I'm out of town this week. It couldn't be me. Bye. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally like out of the country. Out of the country, so I just yeah. want to let you know, I know you're accusing me of something. I have an alibi and I'm coming out ahead of this. That's, that's some of the best humor of this show, which has some great moments. I want to tie into that to say Red Herring is genuinely out of the country. We know because when um, Manny the Manny is launched out of the house. They, he falls into the gang's trap, and he's launched out of the house way overseas into this other country. He lands he, in the he sand. He team rockets into the horizon. Yeah. Um, and I, I also want to say this is a moment where we, again, are feeling how scary the episode is because Manny lands in this other nation, then immediately hops in a boat and jets back to the gang. He's at the doorstep again in a moment. They barely even have time to close the door to stop him. It's like it follows if the monster was fast. Oh my goodness. Uh, I believe he landed in Africa. Is that where that was? Uh, oh. Based on uh, one of the one of the boats that like Buana 2000. Mm. Okay, I can see that. Uh, the boat that he takes back. But here's the thing, and, and uh, just a minor nitpick. Um, we do see that he lands in the sand next to Red Herring. Uh, on a beach, mm. red herring appears to be, um, I was going to say tanning, but to tan, you require the sun to be in the sky. And it's very overcast, which it almost always is. In it's the middle of the night. It's literally in the middle of the night. But this is another nation. It should be daytime here. Like, this is the other side of the world. It's in, it's in Africa. It should be... Though, I'm trying... What's the, the time difference between... America and Africa, and obviously America, uh, Africa it's is a, a big country, large yeah. continent, one of the biggest countries. It's a large <laughs> continent. Um, so I'm not sure because I think it, to Europe, which is north of Africa, it's like a five-hour difference. Mm. Though I think it's feasible that it could be like 7 p.m. 7 p.m. stateside, midnight or 1 a.m. in somewhere somewhere in the continent of Africa, but. 
it still begs the question of what Red Herring is doing on the beach at this hour. Yeah, in in the dark, suntanning with a tank top on. That that's all we see of Red Herring this episode. I love it. I love the first way that he's introduced. I think that's great. Uh, it just every almost every part of this episode reiterates for me how dire the situation the gang is in. It is it is really scary, and especially I, I will say the horror is alleviated when they start to put together Home Alone-esque devices. Mm, you're right. That It kind of gives them power over the criminals. It uh, reduces the villains to sticky bandits. Yes, exactly. The sticky bandits. <laughs> um, but it is. But even though I knew that those traps and those devices were in place, Manny the Mauler comes up to the house, rings the doorbell and says, uh, pizza delivery, and Fred, who is the dullest tool in the shed, opens the door. And I was just like, Fred, no! Fred, you idiot. Fred, you moron. And that's the thing with Fred in this series. It's not the Fred of Mystery Incorporated, who's perhaps my favorite thing about M.I., um, who's dumb, but comes from a place of just singular focus on traps. Like, he's passionate about this one thing to the exclusion of everything else. The only thing Fred's passionate about here in this series is, like, his own conception of his own grandeur. Like he has and red herring and red herring really. You know what? We just did an LGBTQ last, last episode, and we yeah, neglected to ago. ship. Why, Fred why did we not do that? It Fred makes red herring. <sighs> oh, dude! I feel like we need to amend last week's episode to Fred Herring. So, if you want to listen to our LGBTQ plus episode, we were talking about different pairings and pairing Fred up with Red. I think, especially because I like to imagine what uh i guess like a early 20s late teen red would look like i think it would be a lot of fun i think i'd be i need to start commissioning some stuff right now this is the oth this is the one true herring that we were looking for (laughs) that last time (laughs) that was a fred pairing flawlessly done oh my gosh thank you um uh but i all that to say fred is an uh, irredeemable oaf in this series and in this episode particularly, but he does, he is a vehicle for some good comedic moments. But I I do want to reiterate again, just because it really, really stood out to me, how frightening the idea is of being, um, I guess, five children and a puppy in a home that does not belong to you, where there's a monster in the basement and two criminals, seemingly two criminals, outside of the house and all are banging to get at you like banging on the doors banging on the windows all are trying to get at you i mean at one point that's how we come back from commercial is like uh boogity bones banging from the basement like the babysitter from this wall and then like manny from that door it's uh they're just pinned from every corner and and if that wasn't enough if that wasn't terrifying in its own right shaggy makes to call his father who again is a police officer and the phone lines have been cut and also, there's no power in the because, house as well. It's all been cut. Yeah. And I, I don't know if we've mentioned, but the, the cops, I think, are not on duty tonight. Everyone is off at the policeman's ball. Uh, I guess like cops. It's kind prom. of like in The Dark Knight Rises when they all ran down into the sewers to celebrate prom there. <laughs> it's like when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graduated. Yeah. Yeah, it's just every single member of the Gotham City Police Department just ran down. Oh, man, what a terrible movie. Oh, man, that was disappointing. Except for Jay, uh, uh, Gordon, Gordon Joseph Levitt. Joseph Jordan Levitt. Is it Gordon? Is it GJL? 
I thought it was JGL. It was J. It is JGL. I'm just getting okay, it mixed right. up. Uh, his Robin at the end was like at the end of Baby Driver, where his name is Miles. It's like, no, don't do that. It was too much. Okay, I am fine spoiling The Dark Knight Rises. Has Baby Driver been out long enough for the spoiler embargo to be lifted? I think the moment Kevy, Kevin, Kevy Spacey went down, it, it oh, was okay. I'm so glad. This is horrible. You know what? I take that back. I was going to say I'm glad the news didn't come out until after I'd seen Baby Driver, but that's selfish of me. It, I mean, I, to me, that perfectly encapsulates, like, what's difficult about this stuff, which is like, oh, I, I like that movie, I like stuff about this movie, but, like, fortunately, I didn't like him in it anyway, but it complicates things. It does, yeah. Art, yeah. artist, sexual harassment is always bad. Always. There's, yeah, so, again, it's very terrifying. It's dire. Uh, at one point, Manny sees that the window upstairs has been opened, so he crawls up and makes his way into the house oh goodness terrifying they run out of the house um and then there's a fun little like uh there's a fun little musical chase scene as we like to call them yep we've got a uh, musical chase scene with lyrics that's always fun i do enjoy that and i, I like the doo music in a pub name not super classic but it's its own thing and like at one point molly has shuggy uh and then they get her back um there is the briefest of Scooby Doops, like it's so short, um, and it's just Daphne, isn't it? It's just Daphne. So you also you also got this. I'm just gonna say what the Scooby Doop is. Later. Typically, it's Scooby and Shaggy. They're um, running away from the monster. They enact a scenario in which the social pressures are so great, the monster is forced to comply. You know what we haven't done in a while is we haven't suggested our own. Yeah, which is ah, oh, we our track record was so good. We definitely missed last week's. Well, let's do it this time, because Daphne's is pretty weak. All she does is give a mirror to the to Manny, and then fix her hair in it, and then take it back and run away. And Manny's not duped at any point. He just pauses, holds the mirror. There's no look of confusion or anything on his face, and Daphne just gets away. It's kind of weak. I think he's a little confused. I'm just thankful that he didn't maul her. I think he's always low-key confused. That's just his uh, base level uh, stupidity running through. <laughs> maul her? I barely know her. <laughs> Um, well, what would you li have liked to see as a Scooby-Doo here? Well, here's the fascinating thing about this particular episode is there are three distinct ent entities hmm. who want to get at the gang. There, Honestly, here's the thing. This is what I think is so great about this episode. There are three villains, and the villains do not appear to be working in concert with one another. Yeah, they each appear to be working independently. I mean, there's let's let's break it down real quick briefly. There's Baby Napper, the babysitter. Um, there's Manny, who wants his money. And there's the uh, Cerberus zombie, who just wants to kill people, I guess. Boogie Bones keeps saying that he wants to get out or get in or something. I don't know. It's, it seems a little complicated, what Boogie Bones wants. Mm. Um, and so to answer this question would be, which of these villains would I want the scooby dupe to be enacted upon? Hmm. I... I really like, this is a pretty standard gag, um, but I like the idea that Babysitter, whose name I don't think we ever find out. No, I don't think we do. She has that uh, Marge Simpson type Bride of Frankenstein hair, mm -hmm. and be, it's, it's of such quality that my headcanon is she has an on-site personal salon where she does her hair. 
Okay. Right? So so they come yeah. upon it and they're like, oh, so this is how she gets that spooky do. That's what Shaggy would say. <laughs> and then Scooby would be like, spooky do? And then he'd be like, not you, Scoob. Um, see, I'm uh, yeah. So I'm writing this like as I go, and and what they do is they trick Boogity Bones into this because Boogity Bones has three heads to do three different hairdos on. Ah, and also they give Boogity Bones a pedicure for the little gross face that's on his foot. <sighs> um, that's my that's my Scooby Doop. All right, so you're gonna do with the using the babysitter's uh, setting and the dupe on Boogity Bones. Yeah, I'm extrapolating, making some assumptions based on her appearance. Do you have one? I I do have one. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do it with um all three of the villains. Where whoa yeah whoa whoa uh, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a reach, but let's see. Um, and it's pretty simple. I'm just gonna go for it. Uh, the gang, specifically Scooby and Shaggy, treat Boogity Bones and Manny like babies pop um, pacifiers in their mouths and throw bonnets on them and confuse the babysitter as to which one is the real baby to kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I like that. I, I want it to be baby-centric, but in reality, the babysitter is the only one that wants the baby. When I think of baby driver, I think of a man on a horse corralling babies. <laughs> <laughs> When I think baby driver, I think, what if there was a baby that could replace part of my computer? <laughs> Isn't that what drivers are? Just like a million little babies. Dude, if you think about it, whoa. You know what? I want to make that the Scooby Doop somehow now. So the baby is, they're going to take Shuggy. No, never mind. That's the Scooby Doop. Those are our ideas for it. Um, one thing I wanted to say is that. Really, the the way the episode gets resolving is all thanks to Velma because of her combination of, like, MacGyver skills and Macaulay Culkin-esque trap-setting skills. Um, she puts together, like, a bunch of traps to foil the villains and a bat signal, essentially. Yeah, which she uses to signal um, Shaggy's mother and father who are, are at the policeman's ball. Um, and that's how they eventually come on over. I do want to bring up two, one which I liked quite a lot, and the other which I found quite horrifying. Mm. So, um, Boogity Bones, in the basement, realizes, and again, the the door has been blocked by, there's a boulder, there's like a soda machine, uh, there's something else. And Boogity Bones has been banging on the door for a while, while the gang is running around with um, the babysitter, running around with Manny the Mauler, and... (laughs) Boogity Bones can't hear anything. It's just like, well, now no, everyone's ignoring me. Uh, Boogity, or BB, as I wrote in my notes, walks over to the window, opens it, crawls out, walks to the front door, opens the front, or back door, opens the back door, walks over to the basement door, grabs the boulder, so throws it away, grabs the soda machine, throws it away, grabs the other thing, throws it away, walks back out the back door, crawls back in through the w- basement window, and then up the stairs, and then opens the basement door. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty shocking how they want... They're kind of giving us this, uh, uh, this kind of bold narrative about the resurrection story, that Jesus went out the back way and rolled away the stone from the front, and then snuck out the front. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's further than I saw this episode going when we started it. 
Oh my gosh. That was a weird moment because I wasn't sure how comedic it was. I, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was supposed to be funny, but I was also like, this is such like a slow progression to figure out if he's trying to do it, something else. It really tickled me <laughs> because it was just like the, the going out the window. I was like, all right, all right, I, I get you. You realize that you're, it was a foolhardy uh, exercise what you were doing. Okay, you're going inside the house. I'm on board. I'm on board. You're, you're okay. Getting the door <laughs> like unjarred. I was like, like, okay, that still makes sense. You you want the door to have nothing in front of it. Oh, you're walking back, back around. You're crawling back in through the window. That's so to me, it just ramped up. To me, the com- the comedy value was like very high. I think I, I wasn't giving it enough credit uh, because some of the stuff that happens in this episode is really comedically bold and interesting, and kind of reminds me of Be Cool, um, kind of our our water our gold standard. Um, yes, our, our water gold standard. Our water gold standard, Mark. Uh, water mark? Th- the other thing is, near the end of the little musical chase scene, they all make their way back into the basement, all of them. At this point, there used to be one grave, now there are many graves. And they all sort of, like, fall into their respective graves, and in place of a corridor scene, there's a grave scene. Oh, you're right. Man, it was so quick and I was taking another note at that moment, I missed it. That's awesome. It's it's awesome, but also kind of gross and scary. I'm it's it's another part where I think this episode is scarier than it realizes it is, but it's also very funny. I, yeah, I I found it very funny. Okay, let's let's work towards a resolution here. How I how, think we're we're pretty much. At I mean, the end. pretty much just the cops show up and that's it, right? Was there more to the wrap up? Well, they show up at the end, and then they come to the realization, or rather. Velma comes to the realization after leading everyone astray that the babysitter has always just been a babysitter. Yeah, like her her facial recognition tech was way off, um, although her gut was right on because the babysitter, again, was saying terrifying, troubling stuff that no one should ever say. The, the babysitter was... Anyway, yeah, it's just... You think the babysitter did nothing wrong? I think the, ba- I think the babysitter's approach <laughs> to give me the baby was a little... a little excessive i uh, yeah okay i agree with that i can't disagree with that statement and i think being locked out of one's own home where children are inside unattended it's just like oh i'm not gonna get five stars on yelp you know like yeah this is a dangerous situation for these children i really need to get in this house and i need them to give me the baby yeah but i feel like th- at least make one attempt to reason with the kids one attempt one try and then I'm good with you, but it's all just give me the baby. I want the baby. I can't emphasize how much this babysitter only expresses what she wants and expects that to be the end of the conversation. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. The baby. Seinfeld. <laughs> you gotta give me the baby. That's, I was, I was, it was just floating around in my head. Um, what I really, really, really liked about the mystery is... It turns so since the babysitter is just a babysitter, and Manny the Mauler is mm-hmm. obviously just an escaped convict. Actually, man, actually a Mauler, someone um, who mauls people. It turns out that Boogity Bones is M- Molly, the Maul, who was trying to get the scoop on Manny to steal both of their uh, stashed goods. So it re- and she was like she, he calls her a traitor, but yeah, she was double crossing him and trying to like abscond with the cash. And I think that's brilliant. I thought that was a great twist. I thought it was great that we introduced Manny and Molly from the start. We see Manny. We don't see Molly. But it's built in there. We're given all the clues, and we could have worked our way here if we'd taken the time and thought through it. 
I, I just, I love it. And and then, like, the holes, the graves are obviously, it's, they're not graves. It was Molly digging up the basement looking for the cash. The only part that doesn't make sense to me is why she wanted to get out of the basement so bad before she found the cash when she had... Yeah, she should have located the cash first. Yeah, when she had the window she could have crawled out of. That part was never quite explained. But I'll forgive it because I also really like that mystery. The babysitter was the one part I thought was pretty straight up. Even then, it was kind of interesting. Other big notes or thoughts or things we wanted to hit? I will say, and I found this very clever, and I did not realize it until the end, um, but Shaggy needs to drop off Shuggy at the babysitter's place. He, his mom is just like, okay, well, you can do that before the movie. Uh, Shaggy asks his friends, do you want to come and join me and Scoob? We're going we're gonna to drop Shuggy off at the babysitter's. And Velma says... I also says, loved this part. Uh, I loved We loved have this like moment. 21 minutes and like 40 seconds or something before the movie starts. They list the exact episode length as the amount of time they have to make it back for the movie. And uh, it's one of, I think, my favorite instance of meta humor in a show that really leans into meta, hu- meta humor. Yeah, that was brilliant, I thought. So yeah, at the end, they still have time to watch. They still have time to, to go to the movies. I, I also like that at the end, when uh, Molly starts saying the, I the meddling kids bit, would have gotten away with two free metal, meddling kids, Shaggy and Scooby interrupt her and finish the sentence, and she says, how did you know what I was going to say? And it's, I, I like pretty much any time they make that kind of nodding humor. I, I just found, I thought the comedy, especially compared to other episodes of this exact same show, was quite clever and very effective. Yeah. Uh, some of the parts, I, this show is so varied. It's hard for me to know what's intended as a comedic moment and what's just odd. For instance, at one point, Velma, when she's making her bat signal device, asks Scooby to clean out a jar that we have no reason to assume contains food. Scooby just... <laughs> slurps out this yellow substance right out of it and Velma thanks him. There's also a moment when we're on odd Scooby notes where Shaggy asks Scooby to guard Shuggy um, and Scooby says, oh, okay, wait, who's going to guard me? And Shaggy (laughs) says, like, oh, Scooby, get out of here. And Scooby is like, oh, sorry. It's like, Scooby, Shaggy just pressured Scooby into apologizing for being concerned for his own well-being. I'm I'm sorry I asked. (laughs) Uh, I would say maybe the weakest element of this episode, of what was a very strong episode, was the tag, because the tag to me seemed unrelated from anything that had occurred before. Which what is that, was that tag? Um, Shaggy is like, oh, where's my money? I need to buy a ticket to Boogity Bones Rises from the Grave. Scooby oh, yeah. has taken his money and bought a ticket to Picnic and Candyland with the Bunny Bunch. That's right. He stole. I get, which makes sense that Scooby doesn't want to watch a scary movie. What doesn't make sense is that Shaggy does want to watch a scary movie. If uh, a few other notes, if I may, or I guess maybe one big note on the episode. I think that the the template that we're what we're kind of expecting at the beginning is a bit of an exploration of Scooby and Shaggy's friendship in the context of Shuggy, who we've never met before. Hmm. Because at the beginning, Shaggy says like, "Yeah, look, mom and dad, I can definitely take care of Shuggy. She's my favorite person in the world." Scooby's kind of hurt when he hears that. Shaggy says, my favorite human, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we really see in what follows in this episode is that Shaggy was just straight up lying when he said that to his parents. <laughs> or he has no regard for any humans based on the disregard he gives Shuggy in this ep. I mean, he's a kid. <laughs> he's a kid, yeah. That's pretty kid, fair. Kids. I mean, I like dogs better than humans, too. So, like, 
the human I love most in the world does come in short. What about me? What about me? You literally just said in last episode that the person, the only person you love more in the world than Empty Sam is, was it Miss Colorado? Uh, <laughs> uh, Miss Columbia, I think. Yeah. Right. That's right. You just did that intro outro. Two, two voice work notes. Shuggy's voice is just a strained adult voice, and I hate that as a baby voice. Isn't that what children sound like? Yeah. The- That's not what Shuggy sounded like. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but it was not what Shuggy like sounded that. like. Like, it was just a... Oh, my gosh. Like, just, uh, that's not... Do anything else. And also, Casey Kasem just straight up voiced Shaggy's dad the exact same way he voiced Shaggy. He was Shaggy, but with, like, a deeper... Just, like, a... Like, like, son. You know? But not, even moments, that is too deep. It, at moments, it was like that. At other moments, it was delivered, like, as Shaggy. Casey Kasem, love him. But it was a great episode. I think that if more pop-named Scooby-Doo episodes were of this caliber, of this quality, I would really, really love the show. Yeah. I think, for, for me, the part that makes it tough to just fully enjoy, not through a lens of irony or anything like that, is how uncannily scary it seems to be and kind of uncomfortably weird. One, one thing, Manny's hair looks so weird it's so we we didn't go into a lot of detail as to what manny looks like on what they look like i mean uh molly looks just like redheaded and has earrings and she looks normal and fine but manny has this streak of purple in his yellow hair which i took it to be a headband like what uh like david beckham would wear that makes more sense than dyed hair which makes no sense but the effect is that it looks like he's wearing like an old-timey burger joint paper hat i mean i don't think i'm right though I, I mean, it, it, it's to me, you could point to that just as an example of the overall color nonsense of this show. There's not a whole lot of color design, I don't think. What do you think? Am I wrong on that? I feel like they're just throwing whatever bright clashing stuff anywhere. Real save by the bell transition scenes. It's, what is it? It's, it's a band of like, it's a band of purple or something? It's a band of purple, like kind of lightning bolts surrounding a sticking up tuft of his otherwise blonde hair. The blonde hair also already looks weird to begin with. He doesn't look like a blonde to me. The, again, the color matching, it's not even clashing. It's its not contrasting, it's clashing. And I'm definitely pointing to the biggest, most important thing in this episode that our listeners want to hear about. Oh, that was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, just the hair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he looks bad. I agree with you. Tight. Unlike Molly, who is just foxy as all get out. It's weird that, is it Molly, didn't we just, Molly is like Shaggy's sister's actual name. Oh yeah, that's right. Wait, Molly is his sister's actual name. What is the villain's name then? Molly. Is that actually the case? Oh my god. M? Isn't? (laughs) I think, maybe it's Maggie? I think they might say Maggie. Oh shoot. Uh, Maybe it's Maggie Rogers. Okay, so brief correction, I think it's Maggie Rogers. You told us in the intro that your babysitter lived next door. Yes, they, they were, her family were our next door. They were our next door neighbors. But you were not attracted to her. And and I was a randy little boy. <laughs> Let me be clear about that. <laughs> let's, let's get that out right at the start. So let's not this get is, that out ever. I think people the people need to hear it, Evan. They, they need to hear They want to know how randy was little Lukey. <laughs> well, listeners, he was randy. I, just, I also don't like the fact that you're using the word randy. <laughs> is there a better word? Honestly. Honestly. I don't like adjectives that are also names. <laughs> Can you imagine naming your kid randy? 
Goodness gracious. <laughs> oh. Well, this is little Randy. <laughs> well, that was me as a kid. Okay, so, but I think the age differential was so great that it was too big even for me to 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 bridge. She was a sixty-seven-year-old woman. Is is what you're, oh, you're communicating? She was right necessarily now. much older than that. No, she was. I think she was in college or late high school when I was like ten years old or less. Okay, and so what's your problem, man? I I guess I was I was into people who were more age appropriate. Is this where we want the outro to go? Is this? <laughs> Dude, I just wanted to have a clean, neat little outro where we discuss how randy I was and then move right on. This is too I'm uncomfortable. All all this talk about you being a randy child just makes me want to quote that stand-up joke you did, which I still think is one of the funniest jokes you've ever said, what? just hands oh, down. Oh, the... Where your your father would say you were a man of the house. I, do, I genuinely... Could you... <laughs> could you deliver my stand-up material back to me because I don't remember it? Yeah, let, let me do that and please... I, I don't know, bleep this out. Um, Maybe I'll bleep it. So when I was a kid, my dad used to say to me, Luke, when he was about to leave the house, he would say, Luke, you're the man of the house now make sure to take care of everything and that that blew my mind because my mother was still in the house and she was a full-grown adult woman what could she do or rather what could i do as a 10 year old boy that she couldn't do as a full-grown woman to a bottle of aunt jemima's that's right i knew my bit had something about syrup bottles <laughs> as all of my jokes do by the way listeners that's that's my signature punchline no, no, no. don't 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 say as all don't don't follow up on that you're bleeping that i don't know if i am i might i might bleep the bleep one word from that i you're also reminding me and i hate to do this now but to, to say my follow-up which is that <laughs> my mom couldn't do that because she was a mrs butterworth gal <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yes, okay, I do That that was the follow-up I, I was thinking there must have been a follow-up there somewhere Oh, yeah, I can't I can't just sexualize one syrup bottle at a time That's just not in Randy Luke's vocab <laughs> It's not not my thing Oh, dear listeners, you've, you've, bear, you've bore with us You've bore with us? Past tense of bear with me You've bear, bared, bared with you, me? You bared with me? You bore with me, but that doesn't I just sound hope that they're right, not growing bored with us because we're not doing any actual outroing right now. Hey, hey, we're entertaining. We're we're giving them the we're we're suckering them in before we tell them to give us all their money. Um, but but we are at that stage now, listeners. Give us your money. I want your money. I want your dollars and your cents and just as much of it as you can give. Please give us your money. Uh, see, that's very different from what I want. I want your love and I want mm. I want oh. your love and I want your revenge. Uh, you and me. Okay. We could have a bad romance. That's that's interesting, because me, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I, I really, really, really wanna zigzaga. That's gotta be it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, me, I just when I really think yeah. about it at the heart of it, mm. I just want it that way. I feel like Evan, you're, you really want to hear me, say, I want it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, listen. Uh, this is how outros work mm. we talk about our social media and if you really like us you like what you're hearing you'll go to these different social media avenues and you'll like us or you'll follow us and uh that will make us happy yeah you'll drive up our traffic and that can only help all of us it'll make you happy it'll make us happy we're all happy 
For, for starters, Facebook. Everybody's got Facebook. Uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash Dudes. How easy is that? Uh, everyone else has Twitter. Just twitter.com yeah. slash the Scooby Dudes. We're at the Scooby Dudes. Uh, if you're, uh, you just need one place you can go to to find all the other portals for us, go to our website, scoobydudes.com. That's right, we got the domain. Easiest thing in the world to remember. Go to scoobydudes.com. You'll find corrections, show notes, funny captions, screenshots, and original title card art that we commission on a weekly basis for these episodes. Uh, if you go to our website, go to creators, go to artists, you'll be able to find some links to our artists' social media. Uh, their name is Odango, and they are knocking it out of the park with our title cards. So, so good with their title cards. Look, whatever your art needs are, whether they're corporate or if they're personal, look, Randy Luke gets it. Go message our artists and ask them if they'll do your uh, do your art for you, whatever your needs may be. Yeah, with Odango in particular, I know that he d- will do not safe for work commissions. So maybe you want to get in on that. Maybe you don't. It's up to you. Totally uh, but uh, really phenomenal work. Highly recommend uh, you reach out. Um, but how do we come up with the money? Yeah. How do we support the to arts? pay our artists? How do we do it? I, I don't know how we do it, Evan. I honestly don't. I just it. I just you take care of everything. Literally everything. Now that you mention that, yeah, actually, I did many, many uh, months ago set up a Patreon account for us. Uh-huh. Uh, Patreon.com slash Scooby Dudes. And we have a number of patrons who, for some reason, decide to give us month- money on a monthly basis. Well, uh, for some reason, for some reasons. There's several reasons they do it. For one thing, it enables us to keep commissioning this lovely title card art and keep the creative juices flowing through Scooby Doo. Um, we also do it so that we can uh, keep the lights on. It covers some of our overhead. And, uh, you know, our listeners, our patrons do it because we give them original content on top of what we give out for free uh, with this podcast. For instance, I just finished over a dozen uh, letters written to our patrons at the $5 marker above. Each one contains stickers. Each one contains little jokes. Specialized content just for them. Uh, so this is great. This is what you can expect if you become a patron donor. Not only that, every single week, every single week without fail, your name will uh, depart from our lips. Yes. It, it, and into the ears of all of our listeners. Oh, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and, and this week is no exception. I mean, it's an exception in that we're really selling it hard this week, and we don't often. But, uh, but you should. Donate to us on Patreon. Give us your money. Please. No, I'm not. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> See, I was like, I was like a, I was like a cat who hears a can opener running. <laughs> well, it's a little late in the evening for me to do that bit. But I will say, listeners, please donate to us. Be like these beloved patrons who we're going to shout out right now. Thank you to these people. Yeah. Other than that, what what can we do, Evan? Well, I, I'm not employed right now. Maybe by the time this podcast rolls around, I'll have a job. But uh, if you have any babysitting needs and live in the greater Toronto area, maybe maybe drop us a line. Maybe as at ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send us an email. I, You know, I love getting emails from our listeners, no matter what it is. Were you going to roast one of our listeners for commenting on your on your editing a previous episode oh no they said it was bad and they were right <laughs> okay okay